Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Roto World Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, George Bissell. I'm a writer for Roto World and I'm joined by a very special guest for this episode. He is a writer at Baseball Prospectus and a co-host of the Tino Podcast, Mark Berry. Mark, thanks for coming on the pod today. How are you doing? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. And I guess it's a little bit less special since um, it was. it's only been maybe a couple of weeks since the last appearance, but I appreciate you having me back. I'm glad that I uh, you know, didn't stink up the joint too, too much the first time. Well, you are a friend of the pod, and uh, <laughs> when in doubt, we got to go to over-reliable out of the bullpen. you know? You got to call on the arm you trust uh, as a manager, so good to have you back, buddy. We have a lot to talk about. There's been so many things going on in fantasy baseball over the last few days. We're recording this podcast on Monday night, so if anything crazy happens, that's why we didn't cover it on Monday night. So uh, let's talk about some some guys who've been making news. Uh, let's start on the hitting side. This show's I'm so gonna be, excited for this. Yeah, this, sh- this show's going to be a little more focused on sort of the long-term view because there's only two months left in the season, so there's only so much we can say about most of these hitters and pitchers, especially the more established names that we're going to talk about on this pod. So uh, let's let's uh, start off with, I mean, where else where else can you start? The guy everybody's talking about, the Punisher, the greatest nickname I think in baseball history. It's up there. Uh, Aristides Aquino, the 25 year old outfielder for the Reds, he had a three homer game on Saturday against the Cubs. He's hitting 438 with seven home runs and 35 plate appearances. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, he's just the second player in Major League history with a three-homer game in his first 10 Major League games. Aquino has been just incredible. What are your impressions of him so far, and what should fantasy owners expect going forward? Man, I mentioned to you uh, before we started recording that I just I can't understand Aquino at all, but I'm really enjoying it. I went to pull up his StatCast page had to lower the batted ball events all the way down to 20 just so he would qualify. And he's just like atop every single category pretty much uh, between barrels. Uh, he's top. He's in the top handful of exit velocity. He just hits the ball really, really hard. Um, I don't know if we'll see him running as much. He, I guess I, I guess he didn't run. It's been a little bit since he's run, but he hasn't really had the opportunities since he's just pretty much hit everything out of the ballpark. I mean, from a long-term standpoint, it looks like Aquino could be an elite three-category fantasy producer. We're talking power and counting stats if he's a middle-of-the-order masher type, especially in Cincinnati where they don't really have a guy uh, in that mold. I think that's sort of his 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 peak upside. The question for me, obviously, is the batting average. I think 
there are some holes in in the swing. He, he doesn't strike out a ton for a power hitter. That's the encouraging thing. I think the plate skills have gotten a lot better. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the swing change he made this year, as far as uh, getting, you know, uh, the, the stride uh, taken care of and, and path to the ball a little quicker. So. Aquino is a guy who's definitely made progress and he's improved as a hitter. We always knew the power was, was sort of off the metaphorical charts. It was 80 grade raw power. It's just the problem is he wasn't tapping into it in games often because he was you know, swinging and missing so much. So I think that's a question for me, Mark is, is long-term like, is he going to make enough contact to, to be like Hunter Renfro uh, or frame Reyes, someone like that. It, do you think he, he could, um, emerges like a consistent 30 to 40 homer guy per season? Well, I'm not sure that his 500 BABIP will be sustainable <laughs> moving forward. So I think that there will be some serious regression. I think Fran Reyes was the name that I kind of ha- had in mind. And it might have been put in there from something that you said on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. But Fran Reyes is a, is a pretty good comp for me because I don't necessarily think he's a great defender. Um, but... It's just the otherworldly power, um, like you mentioned. So it could be another situation where he might be better served to be a DH long term. Um, but I think that his best seasons, like his peak, might be around 260 as opposed to anything above that. And he might hover around 230, 240. Um, on average from from a year-to-year basis yeah i i think he's he's matt olson he's hunter renfro it's a guy who's useful in a mixed league i don't know if he's a superstar like i don't think this is giancarlo stanton 2.0 obviously he has the, the exit velocity numbers like he the the nickname is appropriate he, he is the punisher like he will obliterate <laughs> a baseball he'll send it into the stratosphere but I just worry long term as the league adjusts to him uh where where the contact goes and Aquino's a guy to me. I think we're going to see more guys like this who are, you know, the plate skills are less than ideal, but it's 80 grade power with the way the ball is flying. You give that guy 500 plate appearances just to see what you have. I I just think that's the trend we're going to see in the game going forward is just more guys like this as opposed to maybe 10 years ago where uh, I don't know if Aquino's a guy who gets a shot because he strikes out 30% of the time almost. Does that make sense? No, yeah, I agree with you, I, and, and I do think that with um, with the game trending that way, with the strikeouts on the rise, and um, you know that three true outcome, we we say it a lot, but it's because it's so um, prevalent. I think that those guys, if if they're gonna be strikeouts, you might as well have them come from a guy that is capable of hitting 30, 40 home runs with regular playing time. Um, so it's better to have that possibility than to go along with a 12 to 15 home run bat, uh, if he's going to strike out that much. So I think that definitely makes sense and he should be getting every opportunity to, to see if this is, this is real. So before we get into some of the, the hitters for 2020 and beyond from more of a long-term standpoint, I want to talk about one other name that's making headlines as we record this on Monday night. Uh, news came out earlier today that Josh Rojas is going to be called up by the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was one of the prospects acquired from the Astros in the Zach Greinke trade. He was sort of the, the throw-in, the unheralded guy in that trade. You know, There were more high-profile names, a couple first-round picks, uh, J.B. Bukowskis, uh, right-handed pitcher, Corbin Martin. Seth Beer, I think, was the, the big headliner from the hitting side. But Rojas is, has had a pretty remarkable breakout this year. I, I don't think 
looking at his minor league numbers is legal in many states. <laughs> it's they're they're really insane. I'll, we'll touch on those in a moment, but I know you've kind of been on the Rojas train for a while. What should fantasy owners be doing uh, with him? Is he worthy of a pickup in a mixed league? I think. I mean, it's hard with the with all the call-ups, and I, I might have said this before, um, but you kind of have to if you have space, just in case he goes off. Um, I, and, and it's always conditional, and it's always dependent on who you have to drop. But this is a guy that very potentially for the last two months of the season could steal, um, you know, 10 bases, hit for average, and not be a zero in the home run category. Um, he he walks a lot. He strikes out uh, barely at all. And I I think you have to pick him up just on that um, on that chance, even if it's even if it's unlikely, um, just because he could pop and he could be a, a difference maker in pretty much five categories. So there are two things for me that I look at with Rojas. Uh, obviously, the minor league numbers are outstanding. He hit 332 with a 418 on base percentage. He slugged 606, 23 home runs, 33 stolen bases, and 105 games between Double A and Triple A. I think the the first big question for me is the playing time. Obviously, the Diamondbacks they don't have a lot of incentive not to play him but they do have a lot of veterans on that team uh, Rojas is pretty versatile I think he does find a way into that lineup but there's no guarantee that he's playing every day and we've seen a lot more established guys uh, get passed over on their first look at the big leagues and the second thing for me is sort of the adjustment period uh, Rojas is, is already 25 years old and there's there's going to be a drop-off it, it's different it, it's different going from AAA to the major leagues in terms of the quality of the pitchers you're facing. The league environments, the gap between those is, is has changed now because of the way the ball is in AAA, that it's not so much of a big adjustment in terms of the ball. But I think in terms of the, the quality of the pitching he's going to face, uh, I think there will be an adjustment period there. But obviously a talented guy, he's going to get a chance and... You're right. I, I think I'd rather be early than late. Uh, same thing with like Aquino. A week ago, I don't think any of us would have would have said pick him up. But now you can't get him anywhere. He's owned in every league. So, right. You and I think proactive. another thing. I think another thing for Rojas, and you mentioned it, that he um, he has a couple things going for him. One, he's left-handed. So even if he slots in as a platoon utility guy, he'll have the strong side of the platoon. And he's also he's played every single uh, infield position, left field, right field. So he's basically played every position on diamond, other than center field and catcher, um, in AAA this season. So he has the reps, and he can just pretty much be slotted in anywhere, anywhere there's an injury, anywhere they need help or to get uh, to spell a guy. I think that the opportunity will be there, provided that he hits relatively well. All right, let's talk about a couple hitters whose stock I'm interested in your take on for, for 2020 and, and maybe from more of a long-term standpoint with some of the younger guys. I want to start with Jose Ramirez, and not just because you're you're an Indians fan, Mark, but he's had a really remarkable second half. I mean, since the start of July, uh, recording this on Monday night, he's hit 319 uh, with a 667 slugging percentage. He scored 29 runs. He has 11 homers. He homered again tonight as we record this, so he's up to 12 now. Uh, over 30 RBI and six steals and just over 150 plate appearances. So uh, Ramirez, obviously the ice-cold start turned a lot of people off, but this was a guy who was in his prime, and probably we should have seen this coming, that he was eventually going to figure it out. But what have you? What are your impressions of, of Ramirez's recent hot streak, and how do you value him going forward? 
it's going to be really interesting to see if people can stomach jumping back in at the price Ramirez probably should go for next uh, next draft season because the steals were always there and that was a big reason why his value didn't plummet earlier in early in the season the home runs are finally starting to tick up as is the batting average i made a i sort of joked sort of didn't that it's going to be hilarious when we're taking Jose Ramirez in the first round again next year and it's really more says more about the lack of steals in fantasy than anything else but I think by the end of the season, we're going to look and he's going to be 20, 25 homers, 30, 35 steals, and he's going to be flirting with the first round again. And it's going to be crazy. And I don't know if people are going to be willing to do it just because of how badly they were burned in the first two months of this season. Let me throw out a couple of names for you. Um, Jose Ramirez or Trevor Story? Jose Ramirez. Ooh. I don't know if I don't know if a lot of people are going to agree on that one. Uh, Jose Ramirez or Alex Bregman? Alex Bregman. Okay. Uh, Jordan Alvarez or Jose Ramirez? Wow. <laughs> going there. Jose Ramirez only because of the steals. I do love me some Jordan Alvarez though. All right, last one. JD Martinez or Jose Ramirez? JD, just because he's pretty much a lock for, you know, 315, 320, and all the counting stats other than the steals. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting test case for the sort of anchoring effect where Ramirez was so bad, that's all people are going to remember. Because a lot of people, fantasy, they, casual fantasy owners out there, they'll tune it. They tune out at this point in the year. So they're not focusing on, on you know, fantasy baseball anymore. So. A lot of people are going to remember that he was terrible and that they wasted a first-round pick on him, and they're not going to take him next year. So uh, I'm fascinated to see where it goes from here. Let's, let's talk about Jordan Alvarez for a second. Uh, he had a three-homer game on Saturday, second multi-homer game of the year. He's hitting 355, 17 homers, 51 RBI, and just under 200 plate appearances at the big league level. Uh, is he? Uh, I don't think he's a first-round pick, but could you make a case that he's he's a lock to go in the second round next year? I feel like we're there. I think that he's so much fun that that I mean it we all we all like to look at the numbers and we all like to be try and be rational about some of these things but as as a tiebreaker sometimes you just want the guy that is fun and Jordan Alvarez is super fun so that could push him up a little bit I I think the second round might be a little bit optimistic uh but I think that it's not too far off hypothetically if he's batting cleanup for the Astros next year and he gets a full season he's already at basically 20 homers in in 50 games this year as a rookie he's walking 12 percent of the time like where's where the weakness where the holes in his game I don't see them sometimes every now and then you get a prospect like this who comes up and, and was really highly regarded and is in a great situation and performs so I I don't think it's crazy to think that he could he could go that high in drafts I really don't well yeah, now that I now that I look at it, I I had some concerns about him striking out a little bit too much, but his swing strike rate is right about league average. So the fact that his strikeout rate is a little bit inflated, it's a little bit over twenty four percent right now. I think that that could even maybe trend downward, and if that three twenty to 
330. He, he could be just mini J.D. Martinez, and he, and he could be for a long time, uh, considering his age, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's basically the quality of contact. Like, you don't care. If he's striking out a quarter of the time, you don't care because when he does make contact, he's absolutely crushing the ball. So it's going to result in a high batting average, a lot of over-the-fence power. So, yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot to like with Alvarez. and, and I, I put, Let me put it this way. I'm a lot more confident in him than I am a guy like Aquino uh, going oh, forward. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, it, just, just to make that clear. Um, <laughs> speaking of rookies, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., he's on pace to become the fifth hitter to record a 20-homer, 20 20-steal 20 rookie campaign in the last 20 years, hitting 320, 22 homers, 16 stolen bases. He's missed time due to injury, and he has those numbers still. So... <sighs> Tatis, I think, is an interesting t- another guy who I think is going to be really interesting to look at next year because I know there's a lot of people who don't like him uh, out there, and I don't understand that argument just because speed is hard to come by. And here's a guy who's not only going to steal bases, but he's going to hit for power. And, and even if the batting average comes down a little bit, uh, he's still a remarkable fantasy commodity. So, what do you do with with Tatis? Do you think he's a borderline first round guy? I, I, that's kind of where I look at him right now. Yeah, I think he's going to be the guy that we that it, it takes us an off season to kind of um, put our boards together, and we're going to be like, oh my gosh, Tatis is at the turn of the first round or from the <laughs> ten to fifteen pick. He's he's another guy that strikes out a lot, but the contact is good, and he's really fast, so he's always going to have um, a higher BABIP than than normal. Uh, it's, it's over 400 now, so it's a lot higher than average, but he's going to be sustaining inflated BABIPs for as long as the speed stays, um, the speed stays sharp. The power and the speed just doesn't come around. He's going to be a first, I I think he's going to be a first round pick and people are going to be trying to talk you out of it, but I think he's going to be there. And we've had enough of a sample. It's been over 360 plate appearances. We've had enough of a sample where it's real. And like you said, he, if, even if he doesn't hit 320, if he hits 280 and steals all the bases and hits these home runs, it's still going to be super valuable. Yeah, I mean, I was a guy last year who was talking myself into uh, Alberto Mondesi at like pick 45. So uh, Tatis is a much better all-around player and a, and a more highly re- regarded talent than Mondesi ever was so look I think the, the thing with Tatis you mentioned it, the power speed combo but he's only 20 years old so like it's <laughs> it's not unrealistic to think that he could make some improvements in terms of plate skills the more experience he gets at the big league level so I don't think oh, I don't sure. think we've seen his best yet and and to think that this is what he's doing as a debut, and he could only get better from there. Even if he regresses a little bit, like the numbers are still outstanding. I think you want to be invested uh, pretty high uh, on him next year. Um, yeah, he's modesty with twice as many walks, or even more than that, three times as many walks uh, already as a 20-year-old. Yeah, if we were all on board with modesty at that price, like I don't know how you can argue against Tatis. That's just my my opinion um i want to talk about the top of the draft board because i think ronald acuna is making a case for the top overall pick i I think we're we're getting to the point where we have to almost have the conversation because he's at 33 homers and 28 steals uh since 2010 only seven hitters have uh posted a 30 homer 30 steal season acuna 
he's two away, but he'd be the youngest hitter since Mike Trout, who did it at 20 years old back in 2012. Uh, it was a different time. <laughs> My God. Um, look, Mike Trout's still going to get drafted first, but I think for the first time in a while, there were, there were kind of moments where Jose Altuve or Mookie Betts, somebody would throw out sort of a phantom argument and say, well, you know, we we should have the conversation um but i i think i think we're the i think we're almost there with acuna if if it's not next year one of these years coming up i think there will be a point where he passes trout i think that's that's happening at some point soon yeah i think that it it's going to we've it's the theme of the show it's going to come down to the steals you you take trout one because he might not end up as the number one guy just based on pure value but he's probably going to be in the top five or the top 10 and you can just take that to the bank. You take him for the consistency and it's next level consistency at that. I don't, I don't know if I would be willing to, to pull the trigger as soon as 2020 on making Acuna the unequivocal number one, but I think you're right that it's not far off. And I'm just, I guess the tr- the track record even though it's been like he's just been awesome if he if he does this season or a little bit less than that next year i think that he'll have that same sort of consistency that we all feel good about for uh taking trout number 1 um it, it's just i think you're overthinking it if you don't <laughs> go trout i just i i just think you're it's kind of an argument for the sake of it oh I don't know. See, here's where I disagree. This is I like that we're disagreeing on this. Um, people are going to say, "Oh, Ronald Acuna, we we only have a limited track record with him. We only have basically two half seasons." Well, he's just over a thousand plate appearances in his career now, and he has 59 home runs and 44 stolen bases, and he's a 300 hitter. He's at 296 during that span. So. This isn't like a small. This isn't like two hundred plate appearances where he's just destroyed the league. Uh, we're at a thousand. We pretty much know who Ronald Acuna is at this point, I think. And Mike Trout has nine steals this year. He might lead the league in home runs. He's never done that in his career, but this might be the first year he does it. He's at thirty-eight home runs as we record this. Um, so or, or at thirty-nine, he's he's right there among the league leaders uh, with Yelich and Bellinger. And, uh, look, I, I think Acuna, if he's a, man, he's at 33 homers now, if he's a 40 homer, 35 still guy, and he, he could even do more than that this year. And he's leading off. He's going to, he's already at a hundred runs. He's going to get to a hundred RBI. Like what, what more do you want? He's, he's 21 years old. I think he's, I think he's, he's got a shot to pass Trout. It's no, not crazy. And, no, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy and and by the the track record, I mean more so just com- as compared to to Trout. I think that we can all agree that Acuna is awesome, and I don't and see. So if it's Acuna versus Yelich, you're all Acuna at this point. Yeah, Yelich. He's he's. I older. think that's more think... of the conversation for number two. Okay, the back thing scares me a little. Because backs yeah. are weird, and sometimes they never get right. So that's that to me is is a problem. Um, I'm not saying Yelich is is not going to be an elite fantasy here. Nobody's saying sure. that, but uh, obviously. But uh, look, I I think I would take Acuna. I think the the floor might actually be higher. Yeah, <laughs> it I sounds agree. crazy I agree to with say. You there. 
I I think that Acuna is I think it's Trout Acuna, but mm-hmm. I still think that it's in that order for next season. Um, I don't I I don't know. I just think that every season we're like, oh, should we not take Trout first? Should we take fill in name yeah. here? And then every season we're like, oh no, we should have taken Trout first. That's fair. Look, I, I get the argument for Trout. He is such a huge tracker, like you said. I mean, worst case scenario, he's going to finish as a first round value. But I think the floor for Acuna is also in that range. It's, it's basically, I think, my argument at the end of the day. It's it's like I think the floors are comparable at this point, uh, given what Acuna's stolen base floor is going to be. Like if he's a consistent thirty to forty steal guy right now, and he's only twenty one, so I think he can keep this up for the next few years. I think that the floor might be right in the trout range. I think it's not crazy. Um, someone we haven't talked about yet, but might be the best hitter out of anyone that we've talked about besides Trout and Acuna, Juan Soto. Uh, is it possible that he's actually getting a bit underrated? Is that even possible? Yes, it's I think phenomenal. he's absolutely underrated, and that's sort of crazy. Um, we're, and it's because we spend all the time talking about Acuna and rightfully so, because Acuna is awesome too. But Soto is doing the exact same thing as he did last year, except now he's running a little bit more. He's hitting for more power. He's walking 16% of the time, just like he did when he's a rookie. Yeah, I think we're underrating Soto, and I think that he's maybe one of the best handful of pure hitters in the game, like the like handful as in like three to five. Yeah, I mean, this is, that is crazy? this is like peak Miguel Cabrera is basically what Soto is doing. Except he's stealing bases. Yeah, I mean, Cabrera would, would get like 8 to 10 early on in his career, I think. I don't think he was a total zero there. But, like, this is this is basically young Miguel Cabrera, I think. <laughs> like, this is this is crazy what he's doing. Um, I, I just think because he's not – I'm trying to figure out the way to describe it. Like, he's not going to sell out the – the batting average and the on-base skills to hit 45, 50 home runs. I think that that sort of limits him in terms of the public perception. Um, Like if he was willing to sacrifice a little bit of the plate skills and hit for more power, I think fantasy owners would like that more, but that's just not what he's going to do. So he's just so solid all around that I think it kind of, it kind of makes him seem boring (laughs) compared to some of these other guys. (laughs) Like we were just talking about Alvarez and it's like, yeah, I could see like a 50 homer season there. And I, I don't know if uh, Soto's got that in the bag. Even, I mean, 40 might be the ceiling here. We'll, we'll see. But uh, I think Soto is going to be one of the better values in fantasy next year. That's that's just my sense of it. Um, yeah, it seems, it seems almost like, and maybe it's a lazy comp, but hey, I'm a lazy comp person. He seems almost a little bit like his teammate Anthony Rendon in that aspect, where he could probably hit for more power, but st- but draws walks, double digits, hits three hundred, and does pretty much like does a bunch of stuff across the board. And he like Rendon's not super flashy either, and is probably another one of those guys that's in the conversation for most underrated. But they're just really good at hitting, and that's pretty much all there is. Rendon's also about to get paid big time this offseason, so I don't think he'll be underrated then. His checkbook won't be underrated. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> all right, let's lightning round these last couple uh, hitters, and we'll move on to some of the pitchers because I don't want this show to go uh, crazy long. So uh, Chris Bryant, is this the best season of his career? Because it, it looks like it statistically to me. I think it's right up there. It's right up there for sure. Uh, I'm not sure if it's number one, but it's 
on the short list. Absolutely. Jose Altuve is 15 multi-hit games over his last 25 games. Uh, his batting average has gone from 256 to 304 during that span. Jose Altuve, um, same guy without the steals? Yeah, I think so. And I think that like we've talked about with uh, a bunch of other other people, it'll fall off eventually, but it's not falling off just yet. And he's still pretty safe to hit high 200s, 300 um for the foreseeable future will smith catcher for the dodgers uh catching catcher is terrible from a fantasy standpoint uh he's hitting 313 seven home runs in 22 games uh, who would you rather have next year jt real muto or will smith Ooh, that's gotta be the line that's a that's really good um will smith yeah small sample but uh that lineup's crazy the lineup deep, and yep. if he's gonna bat like fourth or fifth uh the Dodgers have just just so much talent I I, I don't think this is a fluke I think he's a plus batting average de- decent power I like him a lot um Trent Grisham is he a sneaky guy down the stretch that'll help people win their fantasy leagues yes um we we talked about him some on Tino and he's he's one of those guys that can do the things that we like to see the hit of, hit for a little power um has a little speed and is a pretty good average, and they've been hitting him pretty close to the top of the lineup, and he's been playing a lot. So he, if there were questions about playing time, he's kind of answered those so far, and I think that, yeah, he, I think you need to, uh, to snap him up if he's still available. He batted leadoff on Saturday. He got on base four times. That's what you want to see. So I, I think Lorenzo Cain, I think, is, is kind of cooked. So like it wouldn't shock me if Grisham – uh, got into the leadoff role moving forward. Would not. Yeah, at least for at least for this season, for sure. It seems like Kane has just been dealing with nagging injuries for yeah. the last half of the season, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Grisham get a lot of those reps. Josh Bell is he back? He snapped the twenty six homerless uh, twenty six game homerless drought with a two homer effort on Sunday. Josh Bell is he back? I think he never left. I think he was. He just didn't. He got. He got unlucky with some fly ball luck. He was. Josh Bell's really good. He his second home run. Um, I don't think he even got any of it really, and it like <laughs> went off the back of the bullpen in left field for an oppo shot. It was wild. I've never seen a home run like that in my life. Uh, it was crazy. The power is off the charts. Um, Eloy Jimenez, speaking of off the charts power. Uh, what do we do with him? Because he's had a really bad rookie campaign. I, I still think he's every bit as talented as we thought he was. Uh, where do we, where do we, where do we sort of rank him going forward? I, I agree. I think he'll, he'll be a, a value for somebody next year because I think a lot of people will look at his rookie season and be like, huh, maybe he's going to take a while to, to develop. Um, I think some of it was due to injury. Some of it was just due to it being really hard to hit big league pitching. But I think that he was a little bit inflated coming into this season, and next season will be um, will be more of a bargain, and we'll get something, or we at least get a trend closer to what we thought this season would be. Uh, next year, Eloy Jimenez or Eddie Rosario? Um, I think that you can wait and take Eloy and get sort of similar production. Eloy Jimenez or Victor Robles? Oof. Robles will go higher because it's still. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think you might have to take 
Robles. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, if if they keep hitting him eighth in the lineup, it's it's going to be hard for Robles to kind of go full Robles. Uh, I think you probably still have to take Robles for the steals. Yeah, of all the prospects who hasn't like had an insane rookie year, uh, I thought Robles was the guy who who could do it, and it just hasn't really happened. It's kind yeah. of disappointing. I really was all in on that guy. Um, Jeff McNeil, what do we do with him? Because it's a super weird profile. Is this like Shinshu Chu 2.0? Like, is that kind of where he's destined to kind of be? Like this guy who just gets consistently underrated because nobody wants to buy a batting average or an on-base guy? Yeah, I think that I'd like to see him walk a little bit more to go full uh, Shinsu Chu. But I, but your point stands. If he's not going to strike out um, more than fourteen percent of the time, and just you know make contact with everything, then he's going to have a high batting average. And for some reason, the Mets lineup is kind of good, so he's going to you know have some decent counting stats. I think that he'll be a. Oh, what do you want to say? Like. Is third round going too high for that batting average? You probably won't have to pay it, but he might be that kind of value. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering where I'm going to slot him. Who would you rather have, um, Jeff McNeil or Whit Merrifield? Whit Merrifield. Okay. It's, it comes down to the, the steals. Uh, Cattell Marte or Jeff McNeil? Ooh. I, I have no idea what's going on with Cattell Marte, to be honest with you. I think it's Marte, he just, he but just, I, I like McNeil. He um, just went. He just came kind of out of nowhere with with this kind of season. Um, I'll I'll go with Marte, but I think that's kind of closer to the range. Giancarlo Stanton or Jeff McNeil? Wow. I assuming the reports are good on Stanton, and he seems to be in one piece going into next year. Well, if he's in, if the reports are good and he seems to be in one piece, you're taking Stanton. Okay. All right. Just I mean because if, if he's in one piece, he's a per, he's a potential like 50 home run guy. In and there's that also a chance in that lineup. he ends the year in multiple pieces. So oh well, sure, yeah, that I, that is the risk. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap up with uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, is he a first round pick if he throws 100 120 innings next year? I think in points leagues, yes. Okay. Awesome. I I stand by that take. I'm going to ride that take for as long as I can. Um, let's talk about pitchers. Uh, I, I want to start with a guy in the Indians, Aaron Savale. Uh, he's been really good in three starts so far. Uh, one run over six innings and a no decision against the Twins on Sunday. Should have won that game, but Brad Hand blew the save. Uh, he's not overpowering, but I, I like the stuff. It's kind of a, a mix of a bunch of different fastballs. His ERA is at one with uh, an 18 to four strikeout to walk ratio in 18 innings, three starts. Classic guy where there's nothing left to prove in the upper minors. Uh, I mean, do you think he gets a shot to, to prove he belongs in the long term? rotation plans over these last two months yeah i think he's probably showed enough to to get that shot yeah um especially with uh with Coop, uh excuse me kluber coming back we don't know if or when um carlos carrasco is going to be back but that i would much rather have Savale than like adam plutko in the, that rotation so i think that he's got that um kind of that fifth spot on lock and he's going to have to pitch himself out of it. So as long as he stays, I mean, this is a little unreasonable to ask 
for um, on a consistent basis. But as long as he kind of stays in this going five or six innings each time and not blowing up at all, <laughs> yeah, I think he'll he'll get a shot. Okay. I think he's a risky play against the Yankees on Friday if you're listening to this podcast. I don't think I would start him in that matchup, but I definitely got to pick up in mixed leagues. Zach Gallon. Yeah, I, I think wanna... every everybody's kind of a risky play against the Yankees <laughs> in in New York. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't use him in that matchup. Uh, Zach Gallon first start with the Diamondbacks went really well. Uh, I want to get your impressions of him so far. Uh, I I think he's been better than I expected, and I don't think there's there's top of the rotation type ceiling here, but. I think he's a guy who you're going to want to own as a sort of a mid-rotation guy in a, in a standard mixed league. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that for him to be more than that, he's going to have to stop walking so many people, which is strange because he didn't really do that in the minors. <laughs> um, but he's just walking a ton of guys uh, so far uh, this season, over over 12% walk rate, which is just way too high. But the swinging strikes are great. The strikeouts are great. And if he can figure out a way to stop putting guys on base unnecessarily, I think that he has the potential to maybe um, maybe do even a little bit more than he has been. Uh, Lucas Giolito had probably his best start in a while against the A's on Sunday at 13 strikeouts and in six innings. Is Lucas Giolito a top 25 starter in fantasy drafts next spring? Um, yeah, I think so. He's okay. probably in that... 2025 range uh ryan yarbrough i i thought this was the well i don't know how to say this i i didn't like the narrative that there was a big controversy about whether or not he should have gotten the complete game against the mariners on sunday they were up by a run i you know i don't feel like arguing it was a great start can we just all agree like he pitched really well he had eight and two-thirds innings shutout innings uh, against the mariners he's been good this year i i don't think he's an ace uh, just because the stuff I don't think is is ace level, but I mean I, I think he's going to stick in the rotation, especially with Snell and Chirinos out, and he gets the Tigers this weekend. Uh, are you with me in, in terms of riding Yarbrough if you're in a mixed league? Oh yeah, of course. I think that whether he starts or whether he does the um, just the bulk route of coming in in the second or third inning, he's been really great in that role. And um, he doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but he does everything else that you'd want him to do. Uh, limits the home runs, limits the walks, uh, gets a decent amount of ground balls. So he's actually might, might be getting a little unlucky on his strand rate, too. So if that, um, you could even see some, an uptick in the ERA and run production. Armand Marquez, eight inning gem against the Padres on Sunday. One of the most polarizing pitchers of fantasy baseball. His ERA at uh, home this year is six point four five. His ERA on the road three point nine three. He gets the Marlins at home on Friday. Are you starting him in that matchup? Yes. Okay. Denelson Lamet, one of my. But also, I'm not. I'm not feeling great about it. But I am starting him. <laughs> no, you never feel great. If you're ever going to start him, this is this is the time. Yeah. Denelson Lamette, one of my favorite uh, pitchers in, in baseball right now, has been for a long time. Uh, since he, his debut on July 4th, he ranks fourth in strikeouts per nine, but home only Matt Boyd, Justin Verlander, and Walker Bueller. I, I just want to, what are your quick thoughts on Denelson Lamette? Um, one of my favorite takes that we came up with on uh, the old Flags Fly Forever show was that Denelson Lamette is discount Luis Castillo. <laughs> And I, I just I think it's going to be even 
truer as the years go on. Um, I think that whatever he does this season is gravy. Just coming some, coming back from Tommy John, I, I really like Lamette and think he's um, he could be a stud. Elite strikeout guy. Really, only has two pitches: the slider, curve, whatever it is. The, the thing moves. It is unbelievable. I think it's more of a curve than a slider. Uh, I mean, he's the the problem is he, he walks too many guys and he has a propensity to give up that you know backbreaking type of home run. And pretty much what he did against the uh, the Rockies on Sunday was was the total lament experience. So. Yeah, I I love him, but I don't think I don't think he's an ace. I don't think he ever he ever gets there. But do you um, think he's the good version of Nick Pavetta? Okay, I I was gonna say, do you think he could be like a Robbie Ray? Uh, no, the strikeout ceiling. I don't know if the strikeout ceiling is as high as Robbie Ray. That's weird to say, but Robbie Ray's peak was like insane. Um, I think I think Denelson Lamette is is who everyone wants Nick Pavetta to be. That's kind of my. That's kind of how I view it right now. He's, you know what everyone wanted Nick Pavetta to be. That's Denelson Lamette. Yeah. All right. Dis- Rich man's Nick Pavetta and discount <laughs> Luis Castillo. We got a lot of comps for Lamette. Cal Quantrill over his last five uh, outings, four starts since July third. Uh, ERA under two, twenty-five to six strikeout to walk ratio. He gets the Rays at home on Wednesday. Are you interested in Cal Quantrill in a mixed league? I yeah I am. Um, I've written about Cal Quantrill on some uh, free agent pieces um, at BP, and he does. I, I wish he would strike out a few more guys, um, but everything else is really good, and um, it, I think that it's possible that we could see um, a few more strikeouts just because he is getting swinging strikes and he just hasn't been able to to punch people out. The Dodgers rotation. I want to finish here. We'll we'll talk about the 2020 starting pitchers um, on another podcast later on. Well, I'm sure we'll have you back soon. <laughs> the rate we're going this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a long September. Toss up the bat signal. Sounds good. Uh, the Dodgers rotation. Hunjin Ryu was was great in his return to the rotation on Sunday against the Diamondbacks. Uh, seven shutout innings. He's allowed two earned runs or fewer in 21 of 22 starts this season. Gets the Braves on Saturday. Uh, Ryu. Is I, I feel like he's I don't want to say underrated, but people aren't totally acknowledging how good this season has been from him so far, just because he he had that kind of phantom injured list stint with the neck soreness, and <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think yeah, he'll get the credit. What do deserves. you want? What do you want from him? From from what? From the people or from Ryu? I don't know. No, I mean he he was hurt, you know, had all the injuries and stuff. All right. Speaking of injuries, Rich Hill is going to the bullpen the rest of the way. Um, part of this is because I don't think they can stretch him out in time. And then the other part is I think Dustin May has been better than people thought. I, I've been really impressed by May so far. What are your impressions of him as, as someone who takes the long-term view on a lot of these guys? I, I think Dustin May is the real deal. Yeah, same. I think that it was... Um, I, I won't say discouraging that his first start he didn't um, he didn't strike too many people out, but then in his next start he brought him right back, and I think he's just um, he's going to be really good, and he's going to be in that rotation for a long time. Yeah, Craig Goldstein, the uh, managing editor over there at BP, with you guys, um, he had the the great tweet. He's Not like, familiar <laughs> at CD Goldstein. Um, he he tweeted that the arm side run is crazy for uh, May on his fastball. Like this is what this is what an ace looks like from a talent standpoint. Like if you're gonna bet on talent, Dustin May is the type of guy that you bet on. 
uh, I think he could be he could be really special in that way. So it's nice uh, that the Dodgers could finally get one of these guys to pop. You know, it's weird they they didn't they didn't really. I don't know if do they win the World Series if if Bueller's rookie year they put him in the rotation and they just let him go. Like, do you think that makes the difference? Because I think that's sort of what they're doing here with May. They're like, all right, we have this insanely talented guy. Instead of limiting him, let's just throw him in the fire and see how it goes. Mm, maybe. Okay. But I guess that they I guess you're always a little bit more cautious the first time because you think there will be there will be more times, but now that they've lost two years in a row, they're like, All right, well let's not you know Yeah, you don't leave any bullets safe in the charter chips. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think Bueller had, had a lot of injury problems, so there was probably more trepidation to, to push him early on. Yeah, for so. sure. All right. That makes sense. Um any last thoughts here uh, before we before we let you go? Any any burning thoughts, any questions that you wanna uh discuss before we let you go i don't think so i'm good i think we hit it all we did it all right so that's going to do it for the tuesday edition of the roto world fantasy baseball podcast i thank uh, our guest mark barry you can follow his work at baseball prospectus follow him on, him on twitter at hoodie and tie mark thanks for coming on again really appreciate it thanks buddy yeah this was a lot of fun anytime all right, so Drew Silva and DJ Short will be back with the regular edition on Friday. Until then, good luck, everybody, and uh, have a great week. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick.